Hi folks, welcome to this week's edition of the Finance Hour. The topic of this week's show is fitness and finance. My guest today is Fred Liberatore, who is a master coach, personal trainer and owner of Real Fit Gym. In today's show, I speak to Fred about the surprising link between physical fitness and financial decision making. We also talk about Fred's journey and the business of running a gym, most of which can be applied to any small business. And today I introduce a new segment called Ruben's Rant, where I have a rant about going on in the world of business and finance. And today it's all about Bill Shorten's announcement about the dividend imputation system. Don't forget to listen all the way to the end for my Propeller Head of the Week, where I talk about money and travel. If you've been enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening live on Jair or indeed on our podcast, this is a show where we help to make sense of the world of personal finance and business and hopefully help you make better financial decisions. My name is Ruben Zelwa, financial planner and owner at Adapt Wealth Management. Uh, we're a boutique financial planning firm that work with business owners, professionals and those planning for retirement. And I welcome you to listen to any previous episodes on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes and search The Finance Hour. You can also find uh, the shows on the podcast section of my website, adaptwealth.com.au. And it's good to be back after a uh, three-week break. I was away in Israel for two weeks, and you'll hear a bit more about that later. And then I... I missed last week's show because a couple of my uh, guest interviewers uh, ducked out at the wrong time, but we're not going to have that problem today. Um, Firstly, before we start, uh, just some general advice warnings. Uh, Nothing that I say today you should constitute as financial advice. Uh, I'm just telling you uh, general advice only. If you do want to make a financial decision, either do it yourself at your own risk or seek uh, the advice of a financial advisor, an accountant, a lawyer, or uh, the next-door neighbour at the barbecue. So, uh, the topic of this week's show is fitness and finance, uh, and I'm joined by Fred Liberatore, who is a, uh, a former bodybuilder, a master coach, and a personal trainer, and owner of Real Fit Gym. So, we're going to have a chat about uh, the, the connection between uh, between finance and fitness, and also uh, have a bit of a discussion about uh, about the business of gyms. And I think a lot of the lessons we'll learn from that, uh, you know, can be applied pretty much to any small or medium sized business. But before we start on that, it is time for the new section, which is called Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. So my rant this week is about the announcement that Bill Shorten just made recently regarding franking credits or dividend imputation. Now, just by way of background, I think there's a lot of confusion about this. But essentially, uh, any companies, public companies, uh, generally pay tax. And you as a shareholder or you know, either individually or through, through your super fund, uh, you are entitled to dividends, which is a share of those profits. And because the companies have already paid tax 
on those profits, generally at the rate of 30%, which is what the tax rate is now, you get what's called a franking credit, which means you get credit for the tax that they've paid. Now, if your tax rate happens to be higher than 30%, uh, say it's 40%, you only pay tax on the difference of about 10%. And if your tax rate is lower, you actually say your tax rate is 15% or 0%, you actually get a refund uh, from the government of the difference between the tax that the company's paid and what you pay. So the main beneficiaries of those refunds are actually self-super funds, largely self-managed super funds that are on low tax rates and also individuals that have are on low incomes and are getting some dividends because their tax rate will be lower than the 30% rate. Now, some background on this. Paul Keating introduced uh, the concept of franking credits in 1987, made a lot of sense to avoid double taxation. But at that time, there was no concept of a refund, right? Basically, if your tax rate was equivalent or higher, you know, you'd get a credit, but you wouldn't actually get a refund. This refund was include, was only introduced in 2000, in the year 2000, when Peter Costello introduced that you actually could receive a refund if your tax rate is lower. Now, I'm not going to be popular for saying this, but what Peter Costello introduced then was bad policy. It was bad policy. Basically, what it's doing is the government's collecting tax at the company level, and if you're on a lower tax rate, they're literally giving that tax right back. And that just does not make any sense. Now, I'm saying this. I know that some of my clients are going to lose out on this. Uh, I've got a self-managed super fund myself, and I'll probably lose out a little bit. But it never made sense, the fact that the government collects tax and then hands it right back, right? It, it has created uh, you know, a problem, and it's created a problem for the budget. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm comfortable with the way Bill Shorten has implemented it. I think he's been very silly in how he's done it. What he should have done is rather than getting rid of it altogether, he should have capped it. So he should have said something like you can get a maximum of, of $10,000 refund of these franking credits a year. He should have put a limit on it. That would have been smart because, first of all, uh, pensioners who are on low incomes who benefit from it, they would still be able to benefit. Uh, and it makes sense, to, but it still makes sense to have a rule uniform across the board. So even those with self-managed super funds, they could benefit a little bit, but not to an enormous extent. That's what he should have done. I think that's what might happen in the political process as it runs out. But the way he's done it uh, without uh, having that uh, cap or exclusion is silly. It's going to cost him politically and maybe it'll cost him the next election. Okay, well, that's all for my rant of the week. Uh, we're just going to take a short break and then I'm going to introduce Fred Liberatore. Welcome back to the Finance Hour, whether you're listening live on Jair or on our podcast. The topic of this week's show is fitness and finance, uh, and I'm joined today by Fred Liberatore in the gym. Uh, Fred's a former amateur bodybuilder and still exceptionally fit at the uh, ripe young age of 52. Oops, I didn't have you on there, Fred. I got you now. Okay. On the what, what, ripe old age of 52, uh, Fred is a master coach, uh, a personal trainer, and the owner of Real Fit Gym, uh, which is a leading uh, boutique gym and personal training studio in two locations, uh, East Malvern and Paran. And I will uh, put a disclosure on here. I actually am a client of, uh, of Fred's at the Personal Fit Gym in Waverley Road, Malvern East. Fred, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks, Ruben. Pleasure to be here. 
Okay, now Fred, you've done a bit of radio before, haven't you? So this isn't I really have, your first time. Yes, I have. Yeah, but never on any station as widely listened to as Jair or the Finance Hour podcast. No, never. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you're not too nervous. But today um, we're talking about the relationship between fitness and finance and also have a bit of a chat about the business of gyms and physical fitness. But before we dive into that, uh, Fred, can you just give us a little bit of background of your journey and how you got to where you have today? Sure, please to. Um, well, firstly, I'm, I come from a family of sporting um, champions, if you like. Uh, my twin brother, Tony Liberatore, played for the Western Bulldogs. Um, his son, Thomas Liberatore, is playing today for the Western Bulldogs. So we've always had sport in our DNA as yep. as kids. So um, I ventured into wrestling in my um, in the early 80s when I was 18, Olympic freestyle wrestling as well. And being the competitive twin that I am, both me and my brother, we, we uh, were very competitive as we grew up in sport and uh, our chosen fields at that time was football and then I deviated to weight training um, yep. and I decided to, uh, to pursue that. And... I kind of found my my niche, if you like, and I found what it was that I was meant to be doing in my life, and I was fortunate enough to find it at an early age, Uh, and that was to help people to change their lives and behaviours. Very good. And so in terms of uh, the business, I mean, obviously now you've got the couple of gyms. Um, How did you sort of... Uh, progress along that path yeah good point oh, well i kind of did my apprenticeship so yeah. when i started it was we were known as leisure consultants so i worked at a leisure center uh, mm. putting weights away talking to members uh, on the floor cleaning up after all those kind of things so i i started before the whole personal training uh, kind of picked up its vibe and, and is what it is today. So uh, I did that for a number of years and uh, worked for worked for franchises yeah. uh, as a franchisee for a franchisor for large large fitness companies. So I got to understand behaviours, patterns, uh, how it all works, and then and then I went and did did some courses because jumping into a business and buying into biz- businesses yeah. it's it's no easy feat you need to plan i'm sure as you know with with your finances yeah, as well sure. so um i was fortunate enough to to do some courses in and coaching and i got a coach as well which is uh a really good move so a business coach yourself yeah, yeah and, i've and actually business, got one too we were discussing yeah, that we before. were and a business coach like you in in your chosen field and the same yeah. with me um yeah. And what that business coach did was it kept you accountable. Yeah, that's right. And it was a really good way to put systems in place. Yeah. And, and so that was at the business bit. Were you, before you started business, were you doing sort of training yourself in an, in someone else's gym? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was working in someone else's gym as yeah. a um, paying rent yeah. at a gym and uh, getting to understand yeah. how it all flows. Excellent. Okay, good. So let's, um, let's move into the first main segment uh, that I want to talk to you about. And I guess uh, fitness and finance, while they both start with the... Uh, the letters FI, um, people probably don't necessarily see a an exact link between the two. I think uh, we've had a bit of a discussion. I think there is some link. So certainly uh, in your fitness, there's there's a link to overall well-being. I mean, that's, I guess, the main thing that we talk you talk about when people are, are doing a physical fitness or diet. It's overall well-being. Definitely. And here's the thing. As you get older, 
your muscles lose their contraction and we're designed to move and there's no doubt about it so linking the fitness and finance is a really good hook because what happens is you want to feel good about your finances and you also want to feel good about your fitness so if you can combine the both then um you're feeling and you're looking and behaving really well also so having that combination is a really great way so and finance is going to be with you till the day you die. Yeah. And so is fitness. It's going to be yeah. with you and your That's own level true. of fitness and your own level of finance. So it's yeah. your own levels of it. So you might as well pay attention to that. Yeah. And, and I was just uh, thinking about it before the show. Um, you know, I go to the gym two or three times a week. And often when I come back, I feel like my head is clearer, even though my body's a bit fatigued. Yes. Um, I think that there's a clear a clear link between that physical exercise and the physical exhaustion and maybe being able to make your head being clearer to make decisions. Well, research out there tells you that doing resistance training mm. um, gives you what's called brain plasticity. So mm. it fires up the neurons in your head, mm. which makes you think clearer. And these are all the byproducts. So although you might be fatigued, you feel really good about yourself yeah. because everything's working inside your body. Yeah, and it also may be, I guess when you're in real uh, physical, I mean, pain, you know, all your other concerns and worries seem to fade away. They do. They? And then, and so maybe it's also giving your mind a, a rest as well because it's it's yeah. just shifting the focus. There is. And, and also, here's the thing, Ruben, I think it's really important to have fun with it. Mm. And we've forgotten now, and it's just, I guess it's the same with, with finance, we, we've forgotten to have fun. Um, and I say to my clients, you've got to sweat. Mm. You got to swear and you got to smile. So yeah. you got it's sweating. Sweating's a really good mechanism yeah. for the body cooling down. Swearing's yeah. kind of making it hard. Yeah. But smiling's important. So yeah. exercise is fun, yeah. and people just got to realise there's certain levels of exercise yeah. to make it fun. Yeah, and I, I think uh, just uh, you know talking about the link again, decision making. I think that that's a really clear link because. Uh, I think people these days suffer a lot from decision fatigue. There's so much choice that we have and we end up sp- wasting our time, I suppose, on on silly choices. I don't know what kind of milk to buy, whether yes. to buy your shoes yes. from this place or 10 other online yes. places. Yes. And that uses up brain capacity. Correct. Right? And, and, and decision-making is important, especially mm. when it comes to fitness, whether you choose to get up and train in the morning, yeah. whether you choose to turn the alarm off, um, mm. you're governed by your own kind of way of thinking as mm. well. Um, and what we do is we nurture clients through different touch points. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess anything that does help you make those clear decisions is, is good because, as I said, we, if you, you know, I think people a lot with their financial decisions, if they've done like a full day of work and whatever it might be in, you know, personal life, and then it comes to the end of the day, and that's when they've got to make a big financial decision. it's actually the worst possible time. It is. And and I say the same with your fitness. If you look after your body for the first Mm. 50 years, it'll look after you for the next 50 years. And I'm sure finance is the same mantra. Absolutely. Well, what what you do initially, the compounding effect of 
of investing or getting things in order initially has got yeah much greater effect than just doing it later on. And with fitness, there's no right or wrong time. It's just mm. the time is now. And and, mm. and and I'm sure it's the same with finance. You kind of just, like Nike says, just do yeah. it. You kind of just have that mentality. You not you might not necessarily have all the tools when you start a fitness campaign, mm. but if you're in the doing and less in the saying, then you'll have yeah. a really good start. And a lot of it also comes down to developing good habits. And there's a real link that between your finances and fitness. I mean, finances, whether it's, you know, spending a little bit less or just making sure that you're saving that $100 a month, being conscious. They're very, very similar Correct. in terms of it. But, but, but habits are really hard to break and change, aren't they? They are, but... Uh, a habit could be, you know, turning all your electronic devices off an hour before you go to bed instead of half an, half yeah. an hour. It could be going to bed by a chosen time that's, um, you know, a single digit instead of a double digit, so nine yeah. o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. Mm. So habits do form us as creatures. Mm. So if we're effective in our habits, then we're effective in our results as yeah. well. But how hard, over all the years, how hard do you think it is for people to change those ingrained habits? Yeah, you know, there's stuff they talk about, oh, it takes at least 28 yeah, days. Yeah, it's a really good question. Or... It's a really good question. It all depends on their wants and how, mm. how, how much they actually want it mm. and whether or not the desire equals the result. So people yeah. say, Fred, I want to lose weight, but they don't, they're not specific. Mm. So what I say is, well, Ruben, how would it feel if you lose weight in 12 weeks' time? Mm. What would you be saying to yourself? Yeah. What are some of the things that you'd be doing differently? So mm. there, th- so change the question around a little bit. Mm. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you've got to have a supportive structure, you know, a partner or a friend yeah. um, is a really good way to tap into it. Yeah. And a lot of us look on the internet for, for answers, but mm. they don't necessarily look at the person next to us or a person that's supportive and that kind mm. of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, what you're saying there about you know why would you why do you want to get there? How do you feel? It's actually similar that I sometimes see with clients as well. When you're talking about your finances and maybe you, you set a specific figure or something you want to achieve, but if it if it's just a, a figure or if it doesn't have real meaning, it actually when you get there, it's actually not going to make much difference anyway. No. You'll just be on to the next thing. Exactly. But, but that's what it is as well, though. I mean, if you say you cho- you you took a and so you want to get down to 75 kilos, for example. Well, what happens when you get there? What's next? Exactly. How do you keep motivating yourself exactly. beyond that? And, and how do you keep... How, how, so what we do as trainers is we keep people accountable through a fit diary or a fit mm. book. Uh, we check in on them each quarter, mm. find out what they're doing. How, how are you tracking with your goals? There's no doubt about it, Ruben. You need to be uncomfortable in order to be successful and in yeah. regards to your fitness goals and I'm sure your finance goals. So mm. we go about it by making sure that we communicate on a mm. regular basis. It's not a set and forget model. Yeah. It's a constant test and measure model. Yeah, yeah, that makes um that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um I guess it's once again it comes that comes do you do you feel like the only way to really install new habits is to have a real goal in mind. A goal is a dream with a deadline. So mm. definitely have a goal and and it also uh, a goal is a change of behaviors. It, it and and we do specific goals. So using the SMART principle, specific, measurable, yeah. achievable results and time-based mm. is a really good way to be a goal. A goal could be – it doesn't necessarily have to be daunting because some yeah. people feel – 
that some people um, they just want to have that goal and that's it. Like I want to say, I want to be a millionaire and that's it. Yeah. I'm really happy with that goal and that's my security blanket. But what we want to do is we'll say, well, how about first earning your first quarter of a yeah. million instead of a million? And yeah, that's and that's right. Sometimes I did read somewhere about you know when you're doing a personal fitness thing, if you if it's you know you feel like it's too hard to do the hour session in the gym. We'll go in and do a 20-minute session. Exactly. Sometimes you've got to actually set the bar a little bit lower because it's better than not doing it and eating a tub of ice cream, isn't it? Yeah, and, and at Real Fit, what we do is we're very much results-based. So what mm. we want people to do first and foremost is feel really good about themselves. Yeah. And then the byproduct of that is that they're talking better and they're acting better and they're behaving better, they're eating better, they're feeling better, sleeping better, all yeah. those things. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, relationships with clients. Mm. Uh, I've, I've worked with personal trainers for a number of years and actually I think that that relationship is a really close and intimate God, one. Paramount. Yeah, so it's... Um, it's really interesting, and I wonder. And sometimes the conversations. You, well, I work with Franklin in the gym. We talk about sport a lot. Franklin <laughs> watches a huge amount of sport. He's an absolute yeah. encyclopedia on yeah. it. Just a shout out to Franklin if you're listening. Hopefully, he <laughs> is listening. Um, but certainly, that relationship is a very, very intimate one, isn't it? I'm, I'm guessing can, that it. Yeah. You have a lot of discussion about different things. Ruben, I can tell you stories. Hey, I've been in the game for 30 years and I've had clients cry. I've had clients laugh. I've had all sorts of different emotions, mm. a roller coaster of emotions. The client and the partner, the relationship with the client and the trainer, it's 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 one of honesty and rawness, if you mm. like. Uh, quite often a partner will tell the trainer more than they'll tell their own partner, I mm. guess, because they see safety in it. Yeah. Um, and they see some mechanisms in that. And and everyone comes with a different set of beliefs. So a really good trainer is able to capture that. And w we kind of – we give advice off the willy-nilly in regards to personal. I do anyway. But I find that clients like that. They like that honesty. Mm. And if we say to them, look, you know, what are you doing in regards to this? Why are you letting yourself go? And – Honesty comes out. There's no yeah. hidden excuse. Yeah. Well, often, I mean, there's obviously a big link between yeah the way we uh, we treat our bodies, be it physical fitness or what you're eating. There's a real link between that and other aspects in your life. It's huge, really, isn't it? It's yeah. Not, it's not just something uh, in isolation. So yeah, sometimes the, the conversation goes goes uh, deeper, doesn't it? And that and that definitely happens totally. with us as well. Yeah. I, I guess sometimes. With all that, I sometimes think, well, are, are you delving too far out of your level of expertise uh, when the conversation maybe moves too far? I'm not. I'm well, not clients sure. clients like to be heard. I think mm. mainly that it might not necessarily be the content of the advice. Yeah, it could be the fact that they just want someone to hear them. Yeah, that's true as well. So, and that's that's the actually that's something that we um, I do a bit of reading on as financial advisors as well. Typically. Yeah, in your training as a financial advisor, you're trained maybe to hear a problem and to propose a solution. But that's not always the best way no. of doing it. Like sometimes it's better, you know, to really deeply understand the problem and even deeply understanding it, that, that becomes part of the solution itself, doesn't it? Totally. And mm. and 
people like to talk to people like attracts like if you know what i mean so yeah i've got clients that just want to train and that's it but then yeah. i've got clients the main thing is you still move them but because you're in that intimate environment for half an hour an hour or whatever it might be quite often there's a lot that unravels not just yeah. with the body but the mind that's yeah. the follow-up yeah and tell me does, it, does the discussion ever move to finances? Those, <laughs> if it does, I'll give him your card. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, do you? Does, does that ever look, happen? At, at times, it does. So sometimes people might say, "Hey, Fred, uh, look, I had a client say to me the other day, "Hey, Fred, I really want to do another session a week with you. What can we do? Can you can you help me out with a package or whatever yeah. it might be? Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, Fred, I, I really want to do this. So it does in relation to our services, yeah, but never so much. Oh, yeah, look, people might say, "Hey." I just bought a house. I'm so excited, yeah, or whatever yeah. the case may be. <laughs> so there's triumphs. Or they just bought some Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Something I, like I, that. I'd be shocked if that hasn't come up in some of your discussions over the Oh, last my year. God, all the time. All the time, yeah. yeah. But I deal with a lot of business owners, Ruben. Yeah. So I deal with people that have the same pain as me yeah. and the same victory as, as me as yeah. well. So I'm fortunate enough to deal with people that share the same experiences and synergies as I do. Yeah. Okay, we're talking to Fred Liberatore, the uh, the owner of Real Fit Gyms. Uh, we've just been talking about the link of business and uh, fitness and finance. Uh, we're going to take a very, very short break, and then we're going to start talking about the actual business of gyms and personal training studios. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening on our podcast or live on J-Air, we're speaking with uh, Fred Liberatore, the uh, owner of Real Fit Gyms. Uh, we've been talking about the link between fitness and finance, uh, but now we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the business of gyms and, and personal training studios. So, Fred, it seems to me as a consumer, there's never been a bigger choice of gyms out there. There, there is a plethora of gyms out there, and there's it's kind of like a whole new fads out there. So first we saw about 10 years ago, we saw Reebok and Step Reebok go through its an aerobic classes, go through its kind of fame and all those sort of things. Then we saw a little bit of CrossFit and we saw a, mm. an emergence of CrossFit gyms. Now we're seeing gyms like F45 and um, your Fitness First and your Any Times and these 24-hour gyms. So there's quite a lot of gyms, but here's the problem that I've been, I've been seeing in the industry for the last 10 years is quite often a lot of these gyms are run by people that have just perhaps um, received their pension or these kind of grey nomads and yeah. nothing against them, totally nothing against them, but it's kind of they try to operate a gym and not be present in there. It's not like operating a fast food chain. That surprises me because I would have guessed the majority of people coming to it would have been young people. Definitely was, not because... Really, so, so people are moving... They're, well, they're, they're, to, to own a 24-7 gym, you need a, at least a quarter of a million dollars as a really? starting point. Yeah, so, so it's a lot of it's an older sort of group. Totally. Really? Most of it's an older group. Is that people who might have retired, they might have retired Correct. early? Or? Correct. Or they've got a payout or they've been in corporate for many, many yeah. years. And rece- but, so and that's like a, it's like a franchise model? Correct. There, yep. there are different gyms and different models, but most of them are franchise models. Yeah. Uh, and most of them are 24-7 operated. So, yeah. <laughs> 
you know, I could have gone down that path and I could have kind of had a turnkey operation. But what that would have limited me to is that would have limited me to a set of behaviours. So I wouldn't have been able to put my own 30 years of IP into the whole way I run my systems and I would have been limited to the colour, the look, Mm. the feel, all those kind of things. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying these 24-7 gyms are not the way to go, but what I'm seeing is quite often is that there's a whole lot of cardio machines and a whole lot of equipment, and quite often people are jumping on these machines, but they're just in the maintenance and Mm. never in the progression. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. I mean, I always think as well as I don't know how they do the work, you know, health safety aspect, because I would have thought – People around weights, you know, God, there's you a safety you issue. Well, the sort of way they get around it is that there's a lot of machine operated. Gym. Oh, okay, so, so it's, it's not so of, much free weights. No, quite often yeah. it's a lot of it's it's all machine mounted. Yeah, uh, and that and that's kind of one dimensional. So you're either pushing mm. it or pulling it. Right, and okay. that's how they get around it. Right, um, there are free weights, but like I said. The gyms, the 24-7 gyms, and they're not manned quite often mm. in early mornings. Um, it's it's kind of it's, – it's, it's not good, in my opinion, in the fitness industry, but there is such a demand for people wanting to get fit. Yeah. Um, but what I'm seeing quite often, and the Financial Review did an article about this some time ago, is people are wanting to be more boutique kind of gyms mm. you want to walk into our studio Ruben and people know you by your first name sure and 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 that's what's happening now and that seems a- to be the trend just like financial advice people mm. want they want you and what you've got as a financial right. advisor. And it's the same as a gym. They want you and your systems yeah. and that kind of well, thing. Well, I guess it's like different markets for different things. Correct. It's like some people will always want to go to a big bank for their financial loss because they like the name and it's and they may be able to service the mass market. Correct. Whereas a, a business like mine, you know, I want to sort of limit the number of clients and give a high yeah. level of service. So it really... Um, I, I suppose it's different markets, as you say. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's totally. just it's just a different market, and I, and I guess overall, if more people are, you know, using these gyms and getting fitted, is a good thing. But the problem is this: with a lot of twenty four seven gyms, um, statistics show there's less than fifty percent actual active members right. in that hundred percent joiner. So if ten right. people join five people tend to use the gym. Yeah. So that's how they kind of make their money right. uh, through that type of model. So I'm interested then uh, if we talk a little bit about the uh, you know the finances of a gym or how it sort of works where the where the sort of revenue what are the different revenue streams um, that come into a gym. So so how it works is generally the different revenue streams is you you've got things like Things that you shelve, such as supplements, yeah. uh, water, um, those uh, bars, or your nutritional products. Yeah. And then you've got your kind of bread and butter. You've got your gym membership. Yeah. You've got your personal training. So they're the two main uh, active sources of income, yeah. gym membership and personal training yeah. uh, as a revenue generator. Yeah. So obviously the personal training, that becomes a real 
issue. You need staff to do that. And so good staff, and good not staff, just them. Yeah. So our staff, uh, and as you've seen, Ruben, they're kind of experts in their field. Um, mm. And again, going back to different areas of gyms and the way they operate gyms, I let my trainers flourish and do their thing, mm. and they and they make sure that they bring their own mix of personality into yeah. the session, if you yeah. like. Yeah. So they're not limited to a set of behaviours. So, um, so they do their own thing when mm. they're training with mm. clients. As and that well. probably makes them happier in their work, doesn't it? Because and, and it does. They've got more control yeah. over their environment. And when I screen a client, they might say, "Hey, I really want. I want to just do boxing." Or mm. so I say, "Okay, I've got this trainer for you." That hey, I really want to do this area so we're so having trainers that kind of specialize in certain industry in yeah. certain mod um, ways is is a really good way to do but it. would you say that's the biggest challenge uh, in your business uh, having good trainers good staff is that the biggest thing or is there anything that that, that I think comes the close biggest challenge is retention of clients mm. and then having good trainers mm. um, fortunately I've got I'm really good on both, generally yeah. speaking. Um, but, and I've, uh, it took me a couple of years to get really good trainers. Mm. And my wife and I, who uh, we really look after these trainers as well. And yeah. you know, Dave in our Malvern studio yeah. is, is uh, when we bought that studio about yeah. five years ago, we made sure that he came with yeah, it. Yeah, Dave's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been at the studio for probably, well, when did I move into the office there? Must have been six years. Six years, that's and actually, right. for the for the first probably six to twelve months when I moved there, there was another personal training down the road. I don't yeah. think you would have. I don't know if you no, would have known I don't that. Think that, so. that yeah. um, but then I moved um, moved across, uh, and obviously it's gone under. I think you were probably the third owner. That's right. Over that time yeah. frame, which um, is pretty good, over considering that the gym's been there for about nine, ten years or so. Is that all? Uh, I think maybe longer. Uh, I thought, I thought be, it might have... Uh, maybe 12. I thought it might have been there even longer. Yeah, Okay, sure. so but when you talk about, uh, you know, you say retention of, of, of clients and is maybe the number one issue, but surely that's very, very much related to the quality of your staff. And the quality of your service that you give, definitely. Mm. It, it's a marriage. Those yeah. two are marriages. Yeah. But if you don't have good staff, then you try to you kind of your clients will say well i'm not getting any result no i'm I'm out of here so let's then move maybe a bit broader from that because as we're discussing a a gym a personal studio is is not that different to any other business so in a way i mean we're all selling a service we've got costs we've got staff we've got rent so tell me a little bit about you know your in your journey as a small business owner what were the biggest lessons you've learned, or what's the, what's the things that you know people really need to get right? Wow, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I, I hope I can answer it in one sentence, but I don't think I can. Um, okay, I, I have got the best partner. Number one, so yeah. having a supportive partner is yeah. really good. One thing I can tell you that they need to get right is their emotional intelligence. Mm. They need to get their emotions in check. Yeah. You lose clients, you pick up clients, rent goes up, this happens, you deal with stuff. Number one, just keep your emotions at bay. Mm. Um, that's such an important thing. And then off that... Is that is that resilience as well, you think, or is that something different? Yeah, it's, it's resilience, it's being smart. Mm. Look, it... <laughs> 
there's a whole lot of things that are attached to it. Everyone reacts differently. I react differently and my wife reacts differently to different circumstances. So um, there, there are it falls under a number of hats. Mm. Look, the other things that you really got to get right, obviously, is, you know, make sure you whether you're buying an existing business or getting a new business, I had to make sure it ticked all the boxes. So mm. I had to make sure it was on a good street. I had to make sure that it was an adequate building. I had to make sure that the lease was pretty good. I had to make sure that there was enough parking in the area. Yeah. I had to make sure there was enough lighting. I had to make sure that the toilets were clean. Mm. I had to make sure that the building was good. I had to make sure the equipment was good. All those sort of yeah. things in your, in your tick list is yeah. very, very important. And if anyone's out there interested in buying a gym, I'd, I'd encourage them to look at an existing gym rather than getting something from scratch mm. because that's a big kind of risk as opposed to buying something yeah. existing. And, and as you say, the location is really important. Totally, totally. Isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so if people... So I guess so. The main issues you've said is you know is staff getting the right building and rent and all the that right sort of thing. Right emotional intelligence. Yeah. So let's just maybe go more on that emotional intelligence because that's a really interesting yeah. point, isn't it? Uh, as you say, there are lots of ups and downs in 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 your sort of business and in, over the years. My God, there's there's a lot of ups and downs, and yeah. but nothing beats being your own boss, as you yeah. know that as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of business owners keep on drumming and repeating that mantra that the fact that mm. their own their own boss, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're dealing with you're dealing with the 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 crests of the waves and down the bottom of the waves. So you're dealing, yeah. and you think, shall I take holidays this year, or what shall I do? Oh no, I'll spend my money in this area. Mm. Or what 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 are the best things that we need to yeah. do? So that's that's yeah. a really big thing. The emotional yeah. attachment that you have to it. Yeah, and we're predominantly selling a service. We're mm. selling, and our service is to make a client look and feel better at mm. the end of the day. So yeah. we're really tapping into their emotional emotional state mm. so you've got to be in an emotional stable Correct. Uh, place as well yeah, you've got to be yeah. on time with your clients yeah. you can't be um giving them bad advice mm. you can't be giving them the wrong way to train all those yeah. sort of different things as well yeah and quite often and again i'm not putting the 24 7 gyms down but you never generally see the owner mm. the owner's never there because no. the owner is more so interested in He's probably got five or six sites. Is that right? Yeah. Generally, yeah. what they do with their 24-7 gyms is that people that own them own five or six locations, so they've got that multiple revenue stream. Mm. And in terms of decision-making, obviously, being a key issue there, and it's something that I've uh, done for a, no- for a couple of years is have a business coach, yes. which is allowed to have somebody who who takes a you know a different view they're not as emotionally attached yeah. they can help you work through issues yes uh, is that something that you've used yeah, as well yeah i said that earlier on and yeah. it, and i i used the coach for 2 years or 3 years and that was it but a great thing about a business coach is they're able to look from within your business mm. on a bird's eye view so they can look at your business as you said without the emotional attachment um, and then Go, give give necessary advice. So, in terms of that uh, advice, also, did you uh, was advice from an accountant important as well, or was that sort of a minor, <laughs> a relatively minor part of it? Um, it's kind of a minor part of it because yeah. we all pay taxes and things yeah. like that. It's not like it's a it's a run business, you know. Um, yeah, it's a fairly straightforward. Yeah. It's not, there's nothing too too complex about it. No, mm. but it is interesting. 
as well whether or not you know some people will go to their accountant for sort of business advice or whether they're able to do that to some extent true very uh, true you know people come to me as well i mean my, i'm not predominantly giving business advice i've got actually now business coaches that i work with that i refer to uh, actually one of them uh, Joel Gershman's going to be on the show uh, in in a couple next week or the week after i think it is yeah. uh, but it's one of those things for me it's a very allied business because i want people to be you know in financially strong position but what's going to have the biggest impact on that is how their if their business owners how their business is performing yeah that's kind of the main thing so you can't you you know it's you've you've got to be considering that you know the one thing you've got to be is consistent in your messages mm. you've got to be constantly doing work on your business mm. so I, I try to work on my business and in my business yeah. but I work on my business more than I work in my business so I think there's a 60% on my business and a 40% yeah. in my business yeah. because at the end of the day you want to be making sure that everything's kind of humming along nicely mm. and if people say to me Fred I want to buy a personal training studio then I'll say go to a business broker go yeah. and 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 be honest with the business broker yeah. the accountant will give you money and say this is how much we suggest yeah. and a business broker will say these are the sites and yeah. these are the the opportunities that present and everyone's different and the great thing with personal training is you can start at a at a level where you don't have to be a business owner you can work inside a studio and pay rent or you can own a studio so there's different levels so but the majority as i said the majority of 24 7 gyms are kind yeah. of more of the mature adult and in terms of running the business as well so we had a bit of a chat before you've gone into sort of social media and email marketing campaigns mm. that's that's been something that you're pretty passionate about do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about how your journey you know, there and how the business looks yep. in terms of that online marketing now? Yeah. So one of the things that I did when I when I looked at getting a business is I really want to have a good business address. And I don't mean a street address. I mean a domain name. Yeah. So when people are searching for you, uh, whether it's – so I own personaltrainer.net. I yep. own a couple of different domain names. And RealFit is the one, obviously, that's it's the major one. So what I decided to do was make sure – and. And fitness is such a social media thing. Yeah. Um, so I want to, and, and it's to 18-year-olds up to 70-year-olds are using social media. Sure. So I wanted to make sure I had a really good website with some great content because yeah. what we quite often do is give away stuff, free sure. e-books, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. if you have a look at our Google reviews, we've got over 200 Google reviews really? on our, and that, that helps search engine. Mm. So I continually, as I said to you earlier on, I spend at least once a week doing news articles, writing blogs, writing information, putting out really good content. Not content about me, because yeah. the fitness industry, it's not about me. It's about solving people's problems. So content that's, yeah, that's actually going to solve people's issues yeah. or what they're interested like in. Your, they're not interested in hearing about Fred. How many trophies is one? Big no, deal. It doesn't matter. The yeah. fact that I've won some trophies gives me credibility. Yeah. But what they're interested in is how can they solve, how can he solve my problem? Right. And quite often I'll have trainers, I'll have clients come to me that have been with three other trainers, mm. haven't had that success, 
and then and and quite often i haven't seen a trainer really there's a handful of friends that i know that are in their 50s and are personal trainers most personal trainers are in their 20s and 30s sure so people so you your your uh, objective to start with is getting out good content i suppose then people may download it that may mean that they go on on your mailing list Correct. is that generally how yep. the sure how is. the process works so once they're, they're on there what's What's the next uh, The next step is you, you send them not weekly but fortnightly or monthly emails with yep. some information, be yep. it recipes, be it all sorts of things, the importance of training, how we yep. talked about brain plasticity, yep. all those sort of things, how the reach is out, out there. Because what we want to do is we want to be front and centre in people's minds mm. at the end of the day. So we want to make sure that when they think about fitness or personal training, they think about us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that really helps build that. And in terms of other networks like Facebook and LinkedIn, is that is that as big an issue? Or is, or Look, is I it? love LinkedIn. I just love LinkedIn, and yeah. you see this, and it is, um, you know, they they're kind of just touch points for your business. Yeah. I find Google is still the main search engine where people tend to find finance person or a personal trainer in yeah. the area i tend to get most of my leads through google that's where most of because it's interesting i would have thought that the google for personal trainers or gyms would be exceptionally competitive i would have thought it would be hard to rank highly in that space it is and we're fortunate enough to rank highly because mm. we're doing the articles the google mm. reviews and the blogs right so when people search for personal trainer Malvin our site comes up right. and all the information about us comes up. Right. But that is that that's a locality thing. If they search Definitely for personal like trainer Melbourne, that'd be well, a lot generally harder. Generally people guessing. are searching for a trainer they in their looking area. For a suburb, that's true. Like they are for a finance guy. Maybe that's different. true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Yeah, although I have clients that come from all different areas. I don't know that it's that yeah. locally dependent because they might come to see me a couple of times a year only or Correct. we might have online okay. meetings or we might right, chat on the right. phone. So, so it's for not us as, it's more of a local thing. Yeah. Quite often we won't have clients in Geelong come and see us. Yeah, yeah sure. They'll kind of be, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so uh, what else in that in that sort of social media place? Has that had a big impact yeah. in terms of you know, people in terms like of your to, business? People, what, what I find is people like success stories and mm. they like to deal with Australian companies. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we're an Australian company and we're a husband and wife team uh, is a really good way of putting our message out there. Yeah. Um, so people like that sort of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, Fred, we're starting to get towards uh, towards the end of the discussion. What I always do ask for all my guests, uh, their three tips at the end. So I'm sure I could ask you for three tips on a whole range of things. Yep. <laughs> but... Given that, 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 that at the end of the day, your bread and butter is that world of personal fitness yep. uh, and it's important for everybody, I want to hear your three main tips uh, for people embarking on a personal fitness journey. Sure. So my three main tips is this. Tip number one, do your research. And what I mean by that is find out what it is that you actually want. Mm. Uh Everyone wants to lose weight. Your idea of losing weight and my idea of losing weight is is a different type of um, goal. So tip number one, do your research. Tip number two, um, get the support of your partner and get your finances in order. 
uh, and find out what your budget is in regards to spending on your health and fitness. Yeah. So get an idea of what your budget is because you will be asked that question if you embark in a personal training studio yep. or a gym. It'll be, okay, how much are you willing to spend and what's the duration of the time do you think you'll need in order to get that goal? Sure. And everyone's sure. going to be different, Ruben. Some people are saying, well, I just want to do this for the rest of my life and I just want this to be part of my life mm. or some people want to say oh i want to do this for six months so for us we take people on three months and over right. and then tip number three is get up and do it and sure and and make make it happen so do it just Excellent. just make it happen all right fred thank you very much i suppose if people want to find you they can just google jim's malvin east yeah <laughs> or they- where else they can go Real Fit Paran. They can go Personal Training Studio Malvern, Personal Training Studio Paran. Uh, Real Fit, we stand for results, um, ability, and life. So Fantastic. Okay, Fred, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. Uh, we're just going to take a, a quick break, and then it will be time for my Propeller Head of the Week. Propeller Head of the Week. And the propeller head of the week this week is about uh, money when you are traveling overseas. I just came back from Israel, and what a really important issue is, is to make sure your credit card type is the right type with lower fees uh, and, and, and better exchange rates when you are spending your money overseas. If you're not careful, some of the credit cards, the exchange rate you get can be actually worse than the rates you get at the bank. So please be very, very careful and do some research into the type of credit card that you use when you're overseas. It may be different to the card that you use in your everyday spending in Australia. But I have to also admit, I was caught out a little bit as well because generally speaking here, you know, we spend almost everything on card uh, and I assumed that we wouldn't need much cash. But actually, in Israel, you did need cash because you needed to give people tips and other things by using cash. So I ended up having to withdraw a bit of cash out of the bank and I'm not sure that I did this in the best way. I used a card uh, my to withdraw from my local bank here, a card with a Maestro Cirrus symbol, and it withdrew money from uh, cash from my uh, savings account here. But I'm not sure that I got a fantastic rate. There certainly seemed to be a lot of fees. So I would be interested if any of the listeners can tell me about how you actually uh, you spend physical cash overseas. Do you take cash from here and change it? Uh, perhaps you put your credit card into credit. You put extra money in there and then you withdraw it on that. I doubt anyone use traveler's checks anymore, but also something to be aware of that when you're overseas, you may need some physical hard cash in addition to the credit card and plan how you do that as well. Okay, well, that's all for the Finance Hour today. It's great to be back. Uh, We will once again be back next week. Uh, If you want to uh, connect with me, please uh, look on iTunes, search the Finance Hour, leave us a review. That will help us get more audience. Uh, If you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website, adaptwealth.com.au. We have a free download on there as well of learnings from the top 10 podcasts of 2017 in case you missed them and didn't listen to them all. Uh, There are three points there and I welcome you to download that and join our mailing list. Thanks for listening and have a great week.